Milton's Comics and Culture Radar, a podcast that's on the lookout for what's good to read and watch. If you don't know who Milton is, let's ask the Suicide Squad what they think. Who's Milton? What? I don't remember any Milton. Fuck! He has been with us the whole time! Somebody named Milton has been with us the whole time? Yes! I don't think so. I think I would have noticed if a guy named Milton's been with us. It's not a very common name. I don't think I've ever even met Milton. And welcome to the podcast, George and Chris. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having, thanks us, for having on. us. So um, let me ask you guys to introduce yourselves real quick. Um, why, George, why don't you start? Um, you guys are the writing team behind the upcoming SourcePoint Press book, Cover of Darkness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is George McHale. I'm a comic book writer, and uh, I have a series out um, – called Resilience um, from Absolute Comics Group. Uh, they're the guys who do the White Widow series. But today we're here to talk about Cover of Darkness, which I write with Crystal. Or Chris, sorry. I'm Chris. George and I are actually cousins, and we are uh, we write together for Cover of Darkness. And uh, I'm currently working on a, another graphic novel series for young readers, 9 to 12, and it's called Dragons and Bots. Cool, cool. So you've already answered one question I had about um, how you guys met to collaborate. But before we get to that, why don't one of you guys or why don't you tag team me uh, the basic pitch of uh, Cover of Darkness? Uh, sure. So Cover of Darkness is like Game of Thrones meets Universal Monsters. It's about a family in medieval Romania. They get separated from each other uh, and they encounter vampires, werewolves, the mummy. Creature from the Black Lagoon, and a steampunk Atlantean Frankenstein. Um, it's about their journey back to each other. These are five heroes, and amongst them, there's uh, twin shape-shifting boys that can turn into animals. So you get really cool gorillas fighting werewolves. It's bonkers. That sounds fantastic. That sounds fantastic. So um, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about... Uh, uh, you guys are cousins, so that's how you met. But how did how did the concept of collaborating on a comic come about? Oh, that's a fun story, actually. Uh, George and I, we I've always been a writer, and George has always had uh, really great ideas and wanted to write TV shows. And George, when we were kids, he introduced me to comics. And uh, one day we were actually walking through ikea and george turned to me and he's like we should write a book together uh a comic book we should write a series and uh, i was just totally dumbfounded i'm like why have we never thought of this before and george was like i have a story about a mummy and i'm like i have this great frankenstein story i've wanted to tell and that was kind of where it started ikea of all places of all <laughs> was <piece> there places <laughs> was yeah. that just random or was there a certain piece that inspired the thought what what, what was that about it was the fall collection. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, we, 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 we grew up together, right? Like, so uh, Chris would come out to, to stay with my family in the summers. And so we'd spend like, you know, two solid months together every year. And I've been a nerd my whole life. Just like, and I'd, I don't know if you remember like X-Men, the animated series show. I used to like, uh watch the show like religiously and make her watch it and i'd like go in her room and like throw like nerf balls at her until she got out of bed to come watch it with me and then we'd and uh yeah we'd just like pretend to be the different characters when i was young and stuff and, um 
yeah, so that's just we always love this sort of stuff and uh, and finally I just decided to kind of like follow my passion and start making comic books and then there's like no one else I'd rather be doing this with. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um why don't you unpack the collaboration a little bit for me? Who does what in the writing uh partnership? Well, we both um have kind of our our favorite characters that we uh we write more specifically because it, it follows like five uh heroes. Um, and so we have our own characters that we kind of write and then, uh, we, we, we collaborated together to kind of map out the entire story and figure out everything that's, that's going to be happening. But then, so it, it, it works out well though, because like our characters have like very unique voices and you can tell, um, but it all meshes together really nicely. Um, so we take turns writing the characters and, and then we hand it off to the other person to edit and kind of improve and, and then, and form a script together that way. And we also, one thing that's neat about this series too, is that in addition to our heroes, each monster gets a standalone origin story. So uh, issue one, we've got a vampire story. And and so like those big five monsters that I mentioned earlier, um, they each get their own origin story before our family, um, uh, runs into them. They're on like a collision course with the monsters. So before you meet them, you know who they are. And we've got like, we've reimagined those tales. Uh, we've got like Viking werewolves, for example. Uh, so kind of a new take on werewolves uh, coming up. Um, so we, we also take turns on, on kind of writing different sections, who writes what monster stories and things like that as well. Cool. Cool. So Chris, um, tell me a little bit about, um, both of your relative strengths and weaknesses, do your strengths and weaknesses uh, complement each other um, to where maybe one's better in an area the other compensates? Or do you guys have the same strengths and weaknesses? I think we have very different strengths and weaknesses. I think, uh, and our approach to writing really shows it. I will do a general outline together so that we know that the family needs to get from point A to point B and each character needs to get from point A to point B. And then George will go in and he will figure out how how he's going to get his character from point A to point B. And me, I will just uh, sit down and just free flow it, whatever comes to mind when I'm writing at the time of, while George will think all about it in, in advance. And so he has it nailed down before he even starts to write it. Um, he, he knows where his characters are going to go. And I usually just sit down and I'm like, okay, where are you going to go this time? How are you going to get from A to B? And uh, so I really free flow it. And I think it's a really good balance because we keep each other in check and balance in that um, we make sure that their voices stay true, but we each have our own way of getting them to that point. And George is really good about catching. I'm a very formal um writer when it comes to speech and he'll be like man this is really awkward we gotta we gotta lighten this up and there'll be times when i'm like oh you know that contraction doesn't quite work in that spot we gotta you know we gotta tighten that up a little bit so i think we're a pretty good balance that way cool yeah for myself i really focus on um the dialogue so i try and imagine like a conversation between two people in my head sometimes that's after a few drinks in my hot tub just kind of floating and drifting off into imagination world and trying to put the dialogue down that's the main thing i kind of focus on and then once i have my dialogue then i uh start building the panels around that um as far as weaknesses well i don't know if it's a weakness but like the part that i i find the most tedious in writing is 
the panel descriptions for the artist because I know what's in my brain, but the actual kind of putting it out into uh, describing in a way where an artist can take that and create it. Um, you know, it's, it's very time consuming just to, to really describe everything uh, as well as it needs to be done. And clearly for, for the artist to, to be able to take it and run with it. So that's one thing that I find to be not my strength. Cause I, sometimes I'll, Procrastinate. Oh, procrastination is another. That's it. Probably my biggest weakness <laughs> <laughs> by far. Because sometimes you know when you're when you're working on uh you know a, maybe a first draft of your script and and you got to pull it out of yourself and it's just uh it can be painful. You know, like if you're like, oh, I don't know about this, and uh but you just you got to keep going and you got to push through it. And so sometimes that feeling can be a bit uncomfortable and that uh and that's why i think i procrastinate more than anything because i love making comics but sometimes it's just hard so in making the panel descriptions the challenge for you is it getting that picture your head down in language or getting it down in a uh easily digestible smaller chunk because just personally speaking i don't really find it that engaging oh okay okay I, I have the problem that like um like the Alan Moore problem that like I over describe my panel descriptions. So cutting them down to the useful part is the part that I find really challenging. And I've got some friends that can write scripts with like one sentence uh panel descriptions that perfectly capture, you know, exactly everything that's needed and I and I ramble on for three paragraphs. So I, I envy the people who can do that. So George, real quick, why don't you um Tell me a little bit about the artist on the project. Oh, uh, our artist is MJ Hiblin. Uh, he's an incredible talent from the UK. Um, you're probably following him on Instagram. or <laughs> He's got like a, a quarter of a million followers on there. Um, he does all his work digitally with his finger. He doesn't use a stylus, which I think is Whoa. nuts because I can barely... I, I can barely sign my name on like a screen, uh, let alone like draw these incredible images. Um, and he he moves very quickly. Like I've 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 seen YouTube videos of him drawing, and he he moves at just like a frantic pace. And with it being with his finger, it it has like a real kinetic, real gritty kind of vibe to it. Um, he brings to life these monsters in uh, just incredible fashion. Um, so yeah, so, we're, so how did how we're stoked oh, sorry, to be working sorry, with ahead. MJ Hamlin. We've been, we're, uh, we have the series plotted out for um, three six issue miniseries, and we're nearly done um, the second uh, miniseries of the of the three. And so issue one of the first miniseries uh, is coming out in January in stores. Um, but yeah, so we've been we've been working with him for three years now, kind of building this world, and uh, it's coming together. Uh, smashingly so did you guys find him on instagram or um through some other means yeah yeah we found him um through instagram and yeah he's he's all over the place though if mj hiblin art he comes up instantly well and i think one really cool thing is that we've actually never had a conversation with him on the phone all of our interactions with him have been through instagram and direct messages and um and that it's just amazing where technology has taken us 
to this point today that we can collaborate for three years over 10 issues so far and never had a conversation over the phone. That's one of the crazy things about modern comics creation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> uh, and then we also have, uh, as uh, part of our, our team is uh, legendary Batman and Nightwing artist, uh, Scott McDaniel. Uh, he's, uh, he's doing variant covers for us. So there's a cover A by our series artist, MJ Hiblin, and there's a cover B available in stores by Scott McDaniel. And these are, the, they're all kind of like collectible kind of um, pieces of art. Um, where it features our monster and then our our heroes um, on each on each cover that uh, that Scott McDaniel has done, and they're beautifully co- colored by uh, uh, Sanju Navangun. I'm sure I'm butchering his name. I don't know. This. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so you've probably already answered this for me with um, the way that you uh, shorthanded the pitch for the book, but tell me a little bit, elaborate a little bit on the inspirations behind uh, this project in this world. I think uh, where, where it started was I had a Frankenstein story and George had a mummy story and we were like, okay, what are we going to build? We can't, we we have one standalone if we tell a Frankenstein story and one, a mummy story. Um, And then I was uh, spitballing, you know, I had this set of twins in a world and they could kind of shape shift. And uh, George really seems to like strong female characters. He's really good at incorporating them and making them strong heroes within their own story. And so we kind of built this family of heroes and set them against some of the best monsters that we could dream up and think of and uh, just tore them apart. Like we brutally tear this family apart. We're not kind to them in any kind of way. And then just put them straight on that collision course with the nastiest monsters that we can find. Yeah. Uh, for inspiration, I, uh, I remember watching monster squad when I was uh, like six years old, I was my babysitter one night and uh it scared the hell out of me that's that movie's it's kind of weird because it's not not really scary for adults and you know George, could you repeat that um i think we lost a little bit of your audio there what what movie oh um i watched uh, monster squad uh when okay. i was six years old uh, i was my babysitter one night and uh it scared the hell out of me um it, it's a strange movie that it's not really very scary for adults um, and it's kind of perfect if you're like, you know, 10, 11, 12. Um, it's, it features like, uh, you know, the big five kind of universal monsters uh, kind of invading a town. And it's like this club of kids that have to, to take them down and, and, and save the whole town. And it's, it's silly, but it, it was my first introduction to them. And I was just terrified, terrified. And those feelings of terror continued. I watched Jaws when I was young, too. And I remember being like afraid of... Uh, all water for like a good month you know didn't matter if it was like the bathtub the toilet water i thought the shark was going to come out and bite me in the butt (laughs) like i was just just afraid and those feelings stick with you like for your whole life the not not that i'm afraid of the toilet but just i remember those feelings and uh and i and i look back at them fondly now i look back at being afraid you know uh and think that that's a that was a good time. And so I like to tell uh, these horror stories and, uh, and build this world. So I, I think, what are, oh, go ahead. 
I was going to say, I think one of my favorite um, stories for inspiration was in one of the issues, I think issue three, uh, George has one of the characters just offhand uh, call another character Odin Boy. And I'm like, okay, well, we're in the middle of Transylvania. We can't say Odin Boy in the Middle Ages. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And George is like, but I really like that line. I don't want to get rid of it. I'm like, okay, all right. So we got Odin Boy, which is kind of Norse mythology. And we've got werewolves. All right, we're getting Viking werewolves. I see where we're going with this. How can I make these Viking werewolves work within this world? Um, Just trying to keep true to a little bit of that history and what would be realistic while still keeping true to the script and what we're so passionate about and some of the lines that we love so much as well. We another inspiration was was like the Game of Thrones and the and the fantasy world. So basically, the idea was to reimagine these classic monsters, put our own kind of stamp on them, and then put that in a fantasy world with like goblins and orcs and dragons. So it, it just kind of made sense to us. Like it's like when you think of like you know vampires, you might think of like medieval times and castles, and and then when you think of uh, you know, that kind of fantasy stuff. You also think around those same sort of times, right? Um, with dragons and knights and stuff. So it, it all kind of made sense to kind of uh, smush these uh, two genres together. And it, it, it works out really well, too, because you get like the, you know, kind of the epic quest, the journey that the characters are going on. But then you also get like these bits of horror in there, too. Um, I, I think it, it's it, it's working great. Yes. So um, I have some good news and bad news for you guys. The good news is I can personally testify. Um, I've, I've recently gone to a couple of really large conventions and the appetite out there among comic readers for more horror stories is just off the charts. Um, so you guys are coming along with this, at, you know, at the perfect right time. Um, and uh I think you'll find a lot of success and readers out there uh, ready to consume this material. But the bad news is um, I'm going to ask you guys a favor, um, translate or explain the horror genre to me um, as someone who doesn't comprehend it. Um, you, George, you mentioned uh, that it <laughs> one of the stories just really scared you so much for, for uh, two months when you were a child, you, uh, you were afraid of the water um, I don't understand the entertainment appeal of that. I don't like being afraid of things. Uh, and so why, why so many people seek that out as a venue for entertainment confuses me. So could you guys explain the genre to me, both from an attraction as like a reader point of view, and then follow that up. What, what attracts you to it as a creator? Well, it's it's a rush, right? It's a rush, but you know you're safe, right? It's like a it's like an amusement park ride, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going down a river on a log in real life and you go over a waterfall, that's terrifying. But <laughs> if you do it in Disneyland, that's Splash Mountain, and it's great, you know. So, uh, same thing with with horror. Like, it's you know, if someone's chasing you. Uh, in a field that's you don't want that <laughs> but if uh, uh if you're reading about it you get that kind of a bit of that rush right and and that vibe from from these scary things um it's it's something i love like i love a, a good scare and uh and 
these kind of twisted and morbid thoughts, everyone has them and, you know, they creep into your mind and it's, it's kind of neat to see things just explored, but, but you feel safe and you're, and you're at home and, you know, and you're, you're reading your comic and the art is beautiful and it's in, it's just encompassing and you kind of get transported into this world and it's, it's an escape, you know, it's an escape. And I think for me, it's also a, what would I do? I put myself in the character's place and I'm like, okay, either I'm dead or how am I going to survive this? Um, <laughs> and, and that's what it comes down to is how are you going to do it? And so I love putting myself in the character's place and being like, okay, this is just, this is just the worst possible scenario. And I know it's getting worse. What can I do in this case? And so I, I approach it a little bit differently. I actually find horror terrifying as well. But for me, it's always, a, okay, it's a brain game. How are we getting out of this? The idea of the purge and that one just really gets in my head. And I'm like, okay, if we had the purge in one day a year, there were no consequences to anything you did. What would I do? And how would I survive that night? You know, I like the brain game behind it. Yeah, Chris doesn't watch any scary movies. She's she's a scaredy cat that way. Oh, it gets in my head. <laughs> oh, I read horror. Um, I've read almost all Stephen King, a bunch of the Bentley Little, Dean Koontz. You know, I, I can name all of your horror genre, but put me in front of that TV screen and it terrifies me down to my core. So, yeah. And then uh, let's revisit. Uh, okay, so you've sold me. This is some of the best uh explanation of the genre itself i've heard so thank you for that then on the other side of it um what attracts you to be a creator in that genre for me i Um, love paranormal monsters and that's what it comes down to for me whether i'm writing your urban fantasy or i'm writing about dragons or i'm writing about uh frankenstein and a monster i just love the the monsters of the genre and for george and i it kind of naturally went into the horror because having the mummy and the frankenstein we could take them dark places and um have a lot of fun with our characters fun being very facetious in that case um that our our characters characters are going to face some terrible stuff and it made it as a writer more intriguing and more fun trying to get them into these situations and then back out again yeah absolutely um i i love monsters as well and uh i just wanted to tell stories with them and having the horror aspect is you know because it could that's one thing that i have to kind of remind us to stay focused on sometimes is like because we are it's essentially a fantasy world with monsters in it and it can be tempting to just kind of go full fantasy but we have to take it to those dark places and 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 those twists because that's who those characters are you know and and it's fun to write the bad guys you know like it's fun writing all the characters but the bad guys they really are just very different than than myself you know so i it's fun to kind of pretend to be in their in their shoes and and uh, and and spend a day with them and 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 think of all the twisted things that they would do and uh, so yeah why horror because it's fun you know <laughs> so let me shift gears uh, from uh, the creative side to the marketing and sales uh, side uh, George I've I've spoken to you a little bit in the past and you've conveyed to me. Um, I'm not sure if it was 2020 or 2021, you had a a very ambitious convention plan for yourself as a creator. And then the COVID world came along and turned all that upside down. Could you recap uh, a little bit of that for me? 
yeah so this series is like uh totally self-funded crystal and i we you know we got we're working on an issue like our 10th issue in this world now and to recoup our costs as we've gone along we've been printing like kind of like self-printed indie versions of this comic book uh and selling them at conventions for the last three years we've probably sold you know a couple thousand copies um now uh, all across north america um and getting out there and hustling and and booking shows and 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 kind of spreading the cover of darkness word wherever wherever we could um in 2019 i did 18 shows and over the course of that year, I really learned that not all conventions are created equally. Some of them were yeah. very poorly attended and, uh, and that, you know, some of them are great and there's like, you know, a hundred thousand people and, you know, you're talking to people all the time and you're selling heaps of books and, and it's great. And then other times you go to a show and like, nobody walks by your table for like 10 minutes and you're like, Oh boy, this is rough. And, and I had booked this road trip. I was going to do four shows in four weeks. And it was just me. I was leaving my family to go off and do this. And I quickly realized that I had made some mistake with, with booking these shows because they were, there was just not enough people. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I realized like, Hey, I'm not going to make any money. And in, in fact, like I'm going to lose money on this trip. So not only am I not going to be able to pay for future episodes or future issues of the comic i'm gonna go in the hole here and i've left my wife and daughter to go do this so i like cut costs like big time on this road trip i uh i started like sleeping in my van i had like a minivan because i'm a dad and my kid plays soccer and uh <laughs> and hey, i was pretty, like i went on a diet and i'm like i'm gonna lose some weight it felt it felt like yeah like kind of like a like a traveling uh, rock show, but also it kind of felt like I was homeless for a month too. <laughs> so I was showering at truck stops and there's like glory holes in there. And I'm just like, Oh God, this is just a disaster. <laughs> what have I done to myself? Um, and then in 2020, I, I quit my day job March 1st. And like two weeks later, the world just went to hell. And uh, uh, yeah, and the, I had uh, uh, sent you a denial notice on that one. Yeah, totally. Uh, I had like 20 shows booked for, for last year. And uh, that was what I was going to do to not only, you know, fund future uh, issues of the book, but also to, you know, f- as a living. And uh, it did not work out. <laughs> uh, all the, all my shows got canceled. But uh, I got um, an interesting thing happened. Um, this eccentric scientist person um, had came up to a, a table uh, at one of the conventions, I mean, and was talking to me about um, how he wanted to be in comics. He wanted to have his own comics about him. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I could help you with that. And uh, I, please tell me that it's, ti- wrong, please I, tell me that it's titled eccentric science person. <laughs> <laughs> they're called Omega Morphosis heroes and they're on Webtoons. Um, it's, it's this guy's vision. Uh, we made those books for him, uh, and yeah, Andy Gwaltney is his name, and uh, he's the hero of those books, and uh, that saved my bacon last year, big time, because I would have had to go back to reality and uh, and you know find a, a day job, but instead I got to make comics last year um, for this uh, wealthy eccentric scientist. It was it's 
it's pretty awesome actually to to get land that gig and then this year i've gotten right back at it um i've i did nine shows in 11 weeks this summer and i've got san diego and emerald city in seattle coming up uh at the end of november and first week of december Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, quickly, I want to uh, intrude just a second and um, brazenly steal your concept and offer my services. If there's any billionaires out there listening uh, to this podcast, um, I I volunteer to write eccentric billionaire tales. Um, so uh, just, just as a quick commercial break there. Um, Chris, do you have um, the same... Uh, hardcore road mentality uh and experience or um is cover of darkness uh being its new incarnation being published with source point going to uh throw you into the deep end of that world soon i have done uh conventions in my home city as well as i've traveled three hours to the next biggest city in edmonton and done them there but i've stayed within my province and not gone beyond that george is really the adventurer and and the person going out and making cover of darkness known to the wider world so the fact that we're now being published by source point press is going to just blow those doors wide open even wider than george was able to get them so i'm not a big traveler at this point i have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and i'm the primary caregiver for our children at this point so i can't do the same traveling that george does i wish i could but i cannot do you guys have any appearances scheduled actually with source point at one of their um booths at an upcoming convention uh the schedule hasn't been mapped out yet i'll be doing some some of the source point shows uh as well like because yeah they have a, a great convention presence they they sponsored like uh, all the big read pop shows this year like new york city um florida supercon and i i think they're doing emerald city and c2e2 they're the sponsors of the shows and it's super cool man like they've got like their their comics are on all the badges that everyone's wearing and they're doing great stuff i'm i'm really happy to be partnered with uh, source point press they're a, a great group of uh, guys and girls over there. Um, I got to meet them throughout my convention travels. Like they, they do like 70 shows a year. They'll have up to like four different teams going at the same time to all these different conventions. Um, so they're really out there putting their books out and, uh, and it's a great group. Um, and they also have like a board game division, Oxide Media and a bunch of their projects are getting developed into film and television. So uh, yeah, we're, we've, we feel very blessed to be uh, part of that family uh, and they've welcomed us there. And yeah, as far as like doing shows with them, I'll be doing my own sh- shows where I'll have my own table. And then I'll also do shows where I'll be at the, at the source point booth, source point press booth as well. Well, I highly recommend that experience. I was fortunate enough to be at two of their shows uh, this year. And, um, not only um, did I learn a lot from just witnessing the way that the logistics of the operation is handled by uh, Chris Tadlock, the logistics manager there, um, who just has an extraordinarily challenging, nonstop, relentless job, um, but also um, witnessing sort of the the salesmanship ethic of all of the source point creators, it's part of the culture of their convention presence that they hustle and they sell their books and they do it um, with such passion. Um, and 
I am temperamentally a pretty reserved and kind of shy person and being thrown in that mix with these really um, outgoing people that um, it was very jarring for me at first. Um, and I, I was, I was freaking terrible at it. Um, and I was seated right in between two guys who were just selling books like, you know, cocaine. Um, it was just amazing to see how well they were doing. Um, but being in that context helped sort of, you know, it was almost like being forged in fire in a very compressed time frame. And by the time I was at the second show, I was a completely different person as far as the whole selling thing. So it's, it's like a master's level course in comic selling. So um, you have way more experience than me in the con circuit generally. So maybe you're already there, but just being around those guys really helped me to level up. Yeah, um, I quickly realized that it's not enough to just make these books. You have to sell them. <laughs> you know, it's and and my first show I went to, I was nervous and I was uh, shy. I was just here in my in my hometown. It's like a small, a small one. And uh, my my uh, Chris's brother uh, uh, DJ came with me, and he was he's like, "Come on, dude, we gotta sell some books." I was like, "Yeah, I know. I just don't know how to do it." And he was standing up, and he had like a bunch of just cards in his hand and he started like slapping them in his wrist like you know if you ever go to vegas there's <laughs> there's like all those guys with like the nudie cards there and he's like come on and so he started doing that and being like hey you like monsters we got monsters here and that's like i like that i don't i don't do the card slapping thing but i do that's that's kind of our uh, catchphrase there is hey you like monsters <laughs> you know and so people like it just stops people in their tracks right and so when i do a show um, I stand on my feet for like all three, four days, like all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I like to look at people in their eye when they come up to me and, uh, and I tell them about the book and I like to be as, uh, you know, kind of, uh, emotional and, and kind of really put myself out there and like, you know, have like a lot of enthusiasm about, about what we're creating. And, um, uh, and that passion really leads. Cause like, I know, like as a writer, you know, most people aren't buying the book um, because they they love the story because they haven't read the story yet. But they can look at the art and they can think, hey, this looks cool. I like this guy. He's, you know, fun and, and entertaining. And, yes. yeah, I'm going to take a chance on it, you know. And, uh, and, like, the biggest compliment that I ever get is when someone will buy, like, say, issue one on the Friday and then they'll come back for issue two or the rest of the series um, on the Saturday. That's... That's like, yes, that's, yeah. that really hits me. Like, this is like, okay, we're doing the right thing now. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, one of the things that we uh, use this podcast for is to um, get all of our guests to give us some homework, give us some recommendations. Um, so I want to ask both of you guys, what's on your radar at the moment, culturally out there? What's good to read, watch, or listen to? Um, George, you've been talking a bit, so I'm going to put Chris on the spot here. Um, have you, uh, enjoyed anything, uh, in the world of comics or, uh, media, uh, that you can, uh, advocate for? It doesn't have to be new. It helps if it's new, but, uh, what's good out there? Um, I've actually been reading the series by, uh, there's, there's two actually, uh, by Jonathan Luna. It's a comic series and I think there's six books out and it's called two zero XX 20 XX. 
and it's about a plague that hits the the planet. And his book came out March, his first issue, sorry, came out uh, March 2020. And I'm just like, okay, it's like he predicted the future. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that one's been a fun one to read and stay on top of. I like the characters that he's created in the world and the art's fantastic. Um, so it's written by Lauren Ke- Keeley and Jonathan Luna. And the other one I'm loving right now is The Resistance. Have you read that one yet? Uh, no, I have not. Please tell oh, me about it's it. This, and it's another one. I, I like post-apocalyptic worlds. And so it's a post-apocalyptic world again. Um, and it's by J. Michael. I'm going to butcher the name. I apologize. Strastinsky? <laughs> He's a big name in comics. Sure, I yes, yes. I can't say names. I think it's um, Trzinski, but um, yeah, there you go. Uh, Mike Diodato Jr. and Lee Laridge. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Um, I've followed it and now they have, they had a six issue series and now they're doing a second six issue series uh, that's related to it that I'm reading. I've loved every single one that I've read so far in the series. So for comics, that's my absolute one. And then I'll just say one TV or TV movie. I think it's on maybe Netflix or maybe Amazon. It's called ARC, A-R-Q. It has Robbie Amell in it. And my husband and I started it last night and then it was the boy's bedtime. And I'm like, oh my God, we have to stop this. I don't want to walk away from it. And it's kind of a groundhog day set in a post-apocalyptic world. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to find out what he does. But let me tell you, the first half hour, I did not want to walk away from that TV. Very cool. Very cool. How about you, George? Uh, Anything you can recommend for us? I've been reading uh, Firepower by uh, Robert Kirkman and Chris Samine. Um, I'm digging that one. It's, I love the way that he starts it off. Hey, like there's, uh, there's like no dialogue for like the first like 10 pages and it just like gets you like just into the world there. Uh, and, uh, and then for movies, uh, if you like horror, I don't know if you've seen malignant, it's like James Wan's newest movie. Um, it is just absolutely insane. The twist in it is crazy. I won't spoil that, but Holy man, like it's kind of like, you remember like those really like kind of cheese ball, like 80 slashers. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, but um, with like a big budget and like modern effects. Um, it's, it's crazy. So one of my favorite horror movies of the year uh, is malignant. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so um, last thing before we wrap up here, um, I realize you may not be able to share anything, but do you have any other projects in the works that you can tease in any fashion? Uh, yeah, I've got uh, my series Resilient is out from Absolute Comics Group. Um, issue one uh, just hit stores in September and issue two should be coming out shortly. <laughs> it's a fun book about um, a woman who has uh, who loses her arms in a demining expedition in Cambodia. And uh, she gets these uh, cybernetic prosthetics that she controls with her eye movements through her glasses. Her husband has a sordid past. That's like the worst kind of past. <laughs> and, uh, it uh, it catches up to him and it's up to her to take her arms, take her katana and go rescue her man. There's lots of blood, guts and Kung Fu action um, in it. But really, it's a story about like getting knocked down and uh, picking yourself back up again. So that's out from Absolute. And uh, you can order that into your comic book stores. Um yeah, and then my my other main thing is just kind of focusing on Cover of Darkness, which is coming out in stores in January. Excellent, excellent. And Chris, can you tease any other projects you have in the works? 
Yeah, I'm currently working on a 9 to 12 graphic novel called Dragons and Bots, and it's set in a futuristic world with dragons and nanobots, and it's it's been a lot of fun to write. That sounds cool. That sounds cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to reading Cover of Darkness, and hopefully uh, George uh, and Chris maybe will uh, end up at the same convention uh, at some point in the near future. Oh, that would be awesome. That'd be great. Thanks for having us on, Milton. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much, Milton. Thank you, guys. They killed Milton! Milton was still with us? Where did you think he was? I don't know. I thought he stayed back with the bus. He was a really nice guy, and he sacrificed himself to help us. And now look at him. Dead. Oh, that guy, Milton. Milton. So when did this great love affair with Milton start? I liked him from the beginning, okay? I just didn't say anything. 